Galatians chapter 3, we're going to read verses 26 through 29, and I'll begin to teach on verses 28 through 29 today. Galatians 3, beginning at verse 26, it says, For you are all sons of Yahweh through faith in the Messiah, Yeshua. For as many of you as have been baptized into the Messiah have put on the Messiah. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in the Messiah, Yeshua. And if you are the Messiah's, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. May Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts today. Praise Yahweh. Today we come to the verse that I believe is the hub of Paul's epistle to the Galatians. If I had to pick one verse in this entire epistle to explain the whole book of Galatians, if I had to only pick one verse, it would be verse 28. In my last sermon in the chapter, we looked at verses 26 through 27, where Paul told the Galatian Gentiles, You're all children of Yahweh through faith in the Messiah, because or for as many of you as have been baptized into the Messiah have put on the Messiah like a garment. So how are you part of the family of Yahweh? By faith in Yeshua the Messiah. When you are baptized into the Messiah, Yahweh becomes your father and Yeshua becomes your brother. We not only have a heavenly father, we have a heavenly brother. Now, you still belong to a natural family. I'm still a Jansen. My last name, my surname is Jansen. I'm a Jansen by genealogy. But by being baptized into the Son of Yahweh, I became a son of Yahweh by faith. And the same goes for you. When you receive the Messiah by faith, you became a son or a daughter of Yahweh by faith. And so we call each other brother or sister now, Brother Rocket, Sister Aniston, because we're family, not necessarily natural kin. Praise Yahweh for when our natural kin can also be our spiritual kin. I'm thankful for that, but not necessarily natural. We're family in the Spirit. And Yeshua said this well in Matthew 12, 46 through 50. I'd like to read this. Matthew 12, beginning at verse 46. It says this, speaking about our Messiah, He was still speaking to the crowds when suddenly His mother and brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to Him. And someone told Him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. But He replied to the one who told Him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out His hand towards His disciples. The word disciples means a pupil or a student. He stretched out His hand to His students, the one who learned from Him. And He said, Here are My mother and My brothers. For whoever does the will of My Father in heaven, that person is My brother and sister and mother. So you can have two people with different last names. You can have two people that look different, sound different, come from different areas of the world, and yet they can both be the disciples of the Messiah, and thus they are brothers or sisters 
because they are both people of faith in the Messiah, they both do the will of the Father. Yeshua teaches us that just because someone is related to you naturally doesn't mean they are your spiritual friend or spiritual family. They may be family in the physical, but according to our Messiah, the physical is not most important. The physical is not what makes the difference. It is our spirit family that do the will of the Father that matters the most. So Paul echoes this in the book of Galatians. We'll get to a verse later in Galatians 6 verse 10 where Paul writes this, As we have opportunity, we must work for the good of all, but especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Faith has a household. You're in by faith. You're out by lack of faith. Brothers and sisters, being of a certain bloodline does not make you a child of Yahweh. Doing Yahweh's will is what makes you a child of Yahweh. Who is my family? Those that do the will of my Father who is in heaven. I met a person the other day I had never seen before. As she sat and talked with me, sharing her beliefs, I kept shaking my head. Yes, yes ma'am, I believe that too. Yes, that's how I see that as well. Yes sister, you and I are on the same page. And she was amazed that her and I agreed on almost everything that she mentioned. We didn't agree on every single point. I've never met a person I agree 100% with. But as we talked and we shared, I felt a bond with this lady that I'd never seen and I'd never met. We did not belong to the same family in the natural. I'd never talked with her before. But the bond of the Spirit was there. The bond of the Spirit was there because she does the will of the Father. And so do I. And so I got to meet one of my sisters that day. I got to meet one of the family that day. I met a member of the household. What household? The Jansen household? No, the household of faith. Galatians 6 verse 10. So this is Paul's main point leading up to Galatians 3.28. And so he writes in verse 28, There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in the Messiah Yeshua. And his point is that everyone is equal. When he says you are all one, he means you are all equal. Everyone is part of the family. Everyone that has placed faith in the Messiah is on the same level. There's no difference as it pertains to salvation and right standing with the Creator. There is no salvation superiority. No one has advantage over someone else that is also in the Messiah. If I'm in the Messiah and you're in the Messiah, we're on the same level. Does it matter our last name? Does it matter what we look like? What matters is our faith in the Messiah. And this is what Galatians is all about. Some of the Judahite Israelite believers in the Messiah were balking at the notion that heathens could be saved by faith in Messiah. After all, they thought, these people don't have the law, they don't have the temple, they don't have the feast, they don't have circumcision, they're not us. And faith in our Messiah, if they put faith in our Messiah, that's not sufficient for them to be part of this family of believers. What they need to do to be saved is to convert to become a proselyte Jew or a proselyte Judahite Israelite. They need to go through these rituals first in order for them to be part of the family. And so Paul wrote this epistle because of an ethnic, 
superiority that some of the Jews had back in the first century. Ethnic pride, which said, look at us, we're Judah, we're pure, you're not. We're the real children of Yahweh. Don't try to join us if you're a heathen. I know you said you have faith in the Messiah. And I see that the lifestyle that you lived once is gone and now you've changed. But you're not one of us. You're second class or you're not saved. You can't be Greek and be equal with us. You can't be a heathen and be equal with us by faith. And Paul opposes all of this with what he calls in Galatians 1, the gospel of grace in the Messiah. The same gospel of grace that was preached to the Jew first by the apostle Peter, who was the apostle to the circumcision, was also preached, the same gospel was also preached by the apostle Paul to the nations who was the apostle to the uncircumcision. The gospel did not change when it went to the nations. The gospel that was preached to the Jew first was also preached the same gospel to the nations or to the Gentiles. So Paul labored that point in this epistle. And Paul called the teaching of the Judaizers a false gospel. He said they were cursed for distorting or twisting the gospel of grace in the Messiah. And what they were cursed for, they were cursed for thinking that their ethnicity had something to do with their salvation. Paul said that that's what cursed them. John the Baptist said the same thing. He said, don't think to say that Abraham is your father. He said he can raise up children of Abraham from these stones right here if he wants to, if Yahweh wants to do that. Same message John the Baptizer preached, the Apostle Paul preached, and Yeshua preached, who is my mother, who is my brother, those that do the will of my father. Not those that have the right bloodline, but those that do the will of my father who is in heaven. That's my family. So let's begin dissecting verse 28 by noticing the opposites in verse 28. Paul is dealing with things that are the opposite of each other. Opposites are like up and down, black and white, right and left, and so on. And Paul says in the middle of this verse, this is what I want to concentrate on in this lesson. Paul says in the middle of this verse, there is neither slave or free, male or female. So I want to think about this a bit by examining First, the idea of male and female. Now, I'm married to a female. That's the only kind of marriage that exists. That's how Yahweh created it and ordained it back in the book of beginnings, in the book of Genesis. He made first a man, and then He brought forth a woman from the man. Remember the deep sleep that he put upon Adam? He opened up the side and pulled out a rib or a curb. The Septuagint actually calls it a rib, a literal physical rib that he pulled out of Adam. And from that rib, he made Chava or Eve, as we call her. And she was the caretaker of everything that had life there in the Garden of Eden. And Yahweh brought Eve to Adam for the first marriage ceremony. Yahweh, have you ever thought about how that Yahweh was the father of Eve that gave permission to Adam to marry his daughter. Yahweh created Adam, and then from that man, He created a woman, Eve. There was a difference between Adam and Eve. They're not the same. A man and a woman are not the same. Males are not females, and females are not males. Contrary to what people in society and culture, some people in society and culture try to tell us today. 
Yahweh created two genders, man and woman. Yahweh created us different and unique. And we're still different and unique from each other to this very day. Men are still not women. And women are still not men. And it always looks awkward when a woman tries to be masculine or when a man tries to be feminine. It always looks awkward. Why? Because it's not how Yahweh created it to be. There are things that women can do that men cannot do. My wife has birthed five children. I was there for all of those births. She carried those children inside of her for about 40 weeks each. Brother Matthew cannot do that. Yahweh didn't design my body to carry a baby. Yahweh didn't design the male body to do that. He designed the female body to do that. That's something my wife can do that I cannot do. My wife takes care of our home in a way that I cannot do it. A man is not designed to be the caretaker of the home. I have tried. Tisha gets sick and everything goes to pot. Yahweh did not design me to be a homemaker. I don't have a mother's touch because I'm not a mother. Ask my children if they get hurt, they go to mama. They don't come to daddy. They go to mama. Mama is more tender because Yahweh designed her to be that way. She's a female. She's the glue of the home. Brother Abraham in the book of Jasher calls the woman the center tent pole on the tent. Where if you take the center tent pole out, the tent caves in. But there are things that I do that my wife cannot do. The heavier, the masculine things in life. I go out and work and I sweat and I toil day in, six days a week. I lift heavy things. I do things that Yahweh designed the man to do from the beginning. I once wrote in a study on marriage that the difference between masculinity and femininity can be seen in many ways, but it can be seen in something as simple as a pickle or a pepper jar. To this very day, I've been married over 20 years, to this very day, I'll hear Tisha call for me in the house. Matthew, will you please open this jar for me, honey? And I'll buck up, walk into the kitchen, <laughs> open the jar. I'll grunt a little bit, and I'll say, of course, dear, I'll open that jar for you. She needs me to do things for her. I need her to do things for me. We don't play the same role. I need her. She needs me. We're opposites that complement one another in our roles. The theological term for that is called a complementarian. If you believe what I've been talking about for the last few minutes, then you are called in theology what's known as a complementarian. That you believe males and females are different. They're unique. Yahweh created them with different roles in the home and in the church that complement one another. When Yahweh said, I will make a helper meet for him, King James, that's good King James English. There's nothing wrong with that. But the word meet means she's comparable, she's suitable, she's comparable. She will help him. She will do what he cannot do. So why does Paul say here in Galatians 3.28 that there's neither male nor female? If everything that I've said is right, it can be based in the book of Genesis, why does Paul say there's neither male nor female when there still is male and female? Well, that's because Paul's point here is about salvation. Paul is not making a general statement that says that all male and female distinctness leaves once we become believers in Christ. Paul is saying that male and female, though opposites, are equal 
when it comes to their salvation in the Messiah. A man doesn't have any advantage over a woman in Christ. There is neither male nor female. A man, I cannot say to my wife, I am more saved than you because I'm a man. Neither can a woman say that to me. Tisha and I are equal in Christ. There's neither male nor female. When Yahweh looks at me and Tisha, He doesn't see one of us as more saved than the other. We're one in Christ. My wife has a relationship with Christ all by herself. She does not have to go through me to get to Christ. No more than you have to go in a confession booth to a priest to get to Christ. My wife doesn't have to go to me to get to Christ. She can have a relationship with Christ on her own. We're equal in the Messiah, yet we're different. We're opposites. We do different things and we have different roles in the home and in the church. And that's based on other epistles of the Apostle Paul. So we see that and then we see another use of opposites in the phrase in Galatians 3.28. There is neither slave or free. In the law of Yahweh, even a Hebrew could become a slave to another Hebrew in an attempt to work his way out of debt. Now, I know that that's not popular, but it is biblical. Exodus 21 verse 2 says this, When you buy a Hebrew slave, and Yahweh is talking to the Hebrews, when you buy a Hebrew slave, he is to serve for six years, then in the seventh he is to leave as a free man without paying anything. Now, the master of this sort of slave was not allowed to abuse the slave, beat the slave, or treat the slave unkindly. There were laws governing and regulating slavery in the Bible. So please do not take this sermon and tell someone that Brother Matthew believes that slavery is okay. I find over my years of preaching that people hear selectively. And you get through preaching and they think that you said something because they remember one sentence and they forget everything else that you said. Don't be selective in your hearing. That's too broad of a description. Brother Matthew is against unjust slavery. I am against treating someone as less than a human being. But I have to be honest with the Bible and recognize that slavery is not always a bad thing. It can actually be helpful for an individual who is in such poverty that he desires to be under a master so that he can have food, clothing, shelter, a job, and live a good life. That law in Exodus 21, beginning at verse 2, that goes through verse 6, it says that there were instances where the Hebrew slave would live such a good life in those first six years of his slavery to his Hebrew master that when the seventh year of release rolled around that he was to be let go, he could make a decision to stay with his master. As a matter of fact, during those six years, the text tells us that the master gave him a woman to be his wife, and he bore children with that woman. And so when the year of release came, he said, I love my master, I love my wife, and I love my children. And they would take this particular slave to the doorpost of the house and bore a hole through one of his ears and he would serve him, the text says, forever. Olam, which means for the rest of his life. And so if you looked at that man with a hole in his ear, you'd think, there goes a man that loves his master. 
There goes a man that loves his wife and loves his children. We're talking about a slave here, so he wasn't treated unjustly. And when Paul wrote the book of Galatians, masters and slaves still existed. In the book of 1 Timothy, I preached on this before, he says, servants are slaves, be obedient to your masters. And masters, do not treat your servants unkindly. There were good relationships between Christian masters and slaves in the first century. Just like back in the time that Exodus 21 was written. A servant had his position. A master had his position. They had different roles and they were opposite in their roles. They were not the same in the walk of life in their capacity. But suppose that a master and his slave both heard the gospel preached. And they both believed the message about the Messiah. And they were both baptized into the Messiah. Paul says they are now one in Christ. Equal in their right standing before the Creator. Their physical distinctions do not change. They still can carry on that master-to-slave relationship, but their standing before Yahweh is the same. In Christ, there is no greater even though they're opposites. Do you see that? And it's the same with the first phrase in Galatians 3.28 when it says, there is neither Jew or Greek. Those words are opposites. Just like male or female and just like slave or free. Jew and Greek do not talk about the same type of people. They're opposites. Just like the other categories that we've seen. Jew and Greek are both, we'll talk about this next week in detail, Jew and Greek are both ethnic and religious descriptions that are totally different from one another. But when a Jew and a Greek believe and have faith in the Messiah, and they're baptized in the Messiah, and they're clothed in the Messiah, they're one in the Messiah. They're family. They're of the household of faith. We're all one in the Messiah. We belong to the same household now. Let's recognize each other as family. This is Paul's point in Galatians 3, verse 28. And so next week we'll delve into that phrase, there is no Jew or Greek in more detail, and we'll continue to examine the equal status in salvation that believers in the Messiah have. Heavenly Father, thank You so much. You're so good to us, Yahweh. Father, I pray that we would meditate on this verse I pray, Yahweh, that You would let it sink down into our hearts, that we wouldn't just leave here and forget about what the text of Scripture said, but we would spend time to ruminate and to mull on it and to think about it and to study it diligently. Yahweh, thank You for Your Messiah. Thank You, Father, for sending Him to us. And thank You, Yahweh, for the salvation that exists through faith in Him. Yahweh Father, I think about the great men and women of faith in the Bible. And they play different roles than I play. And many times I feel deficient. But if I'm in the Messiah. I'm equal with them. Help me to believe that. Help me to trust in that. I love you, Father. Bring us back here next Sabbath to rehearse all over again. Through your Son we pray. Amen.